Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? I've had a great week. I've seen two concerts and just got out of my first six-hour photo class, um, which was honestly a lot of photo. <laughs> but it's been really nice. How about you? Um, yeah, I also had a good week. We technically started school like last week, but we only had two days of school last week because of the hurricane. So mm-hmm. I feel like I had my last hurrah of summer like Monday. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, now is a new, a new era. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just been super busy. One of my friends' birthdays was today, which was fun. Celebrated in his backyard like one of my last friends to turn 21. Um, So that's also the end of an era. Um, But yeah, yeah, but I'm super excited for today's episode where we will be interviewing Pink Navel over a strawberry kiwi Capri Sun. Great, let's get into it. Um, so today I think is one of the first times that we very much chose a drink because we felt like it matched the energy of our guest. Uh, but strawberry kiwi Capri Suns just remind me of uh, like birthday parties kind of like a very young kid birthday parties where everyone drinks their Capri Suns starts like bouncing off the walls and like someone breaks an arm. How about you? <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like it reminds me of like bouncy houses. Um, also just like strawberry kiwi is just like not really a flavor combo. I feel like I taste or tasted past age eight. So it's wild to be reminded of (laughs) this flavor. Like also, like, I feel like when I'm at the store, I never ever buy kiwi. Like why? Um, so yeah, welcoming Kiwi back into my life today. I feel like Capri Sun's funny because it doesn't taste, I feel like most juices, even like bad, like concentrate juices, taste like fruit. Capri Sun fully tastes like Capri Sun. Like there's nothing else that tastes like a Capri Sun. If you're drinking Capri Sun, you're never going to be like, oh, that's like juice. It doesn't even taste like juice. Like strawberry Kiwi Capri Sun doesn't taste like strawberry or Kiwi. It just tastes like Capri Sun. Yeah, you guys know that we usually don't put in brand names in our <laughs> drinks unless like the drink flavor is specific to the brand name, which it is in this case. Um, but yeah, as Sam said, we mostly chose this drink because we felt like it very much described the energy of our guest, Pink Navel. Um, Pink Navel is someone that I actually discovered through Sam and they are just um, a super, um, I would say, I don't know, original, experimental um, artist. Um, They recently came out with their album Epic um, and the entire album was live recorded, which is just insane. Um, One of my favorite songs on the album is DIY Twitter, um, just because I feel like it, just mixes so many different elements of music from rapping to, you know, um, looping syncopated beats. And I'm just really excited to talk to Pink Navel about sort of their process and um, their history with making music. What about you, Sam? 
for sure. Uh, first of all, I saw Pink Naval last night. They were really dope. Um, I saw them with Rap Pereira. It was a lot of fun. Um, and one of the few artists where the way that they played the music live sounded exactly like the album, but even better. Like all of the crazy beat switch-ups you hear on this album, they also do them live. It was a lot of fun. Um, and if you haven't heard of Pink Naval, they um, are part of UB Ruby Yacht with Rap Ferreira, who used to go by Milo. Um, and I think Kenny Siegel is also in Ruby Yacht. But there's a bunch of super dope people in Ruby Yacht. So check them out if you haven't checked them out. Um, but yeah, really excited to talk to them. And definitely, if you haven't checked out Epic, check it out. It's one of my favorite underground projects of the year. Cool. With that, should we call them up right now? Yep, let's call them up. Yo, what's cracking? Hello. How are y'all doing? We're good. How are you? Good. Sorry, I'm like a little late. Oh my god, no worries. Me and I'm just touching up. <laughs> it's not oh, we're just sitting no. here in silence for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We absolutely love the new album. Um, and just the way you go about creating in general, I think is really, really interesting. So we just have a bunch of questions about that and like oh, maybe yeah. Ruby out stuff. But I guess we can just dig right into the album. Um, so we know this album was recorded basically live. Could you talk about a little bit about the recording process and why you felt it needed to be recorded in this way? Yeah, uh, I wanted to record the record live because I had made all the beats live. I made all the beats on my Twitch channel where I was like, I have this, I have this Twitch stream where I like take phone calls while I make beats and people can like talk to me and like tell me to sample stuff and I'm like okay cool so I'm like doing that and having fun with my little fan group that I call the epic club and uh I just thought like the only way so I oh so I took all those beats that I was making and wrote verses to them and that became the album so I figured it was only fitting to do the album live in the same way that I made the beats live Oh, that's awesome. And were you, um, I guess, like nervous at any point to be doing the album completely live being like, <laughs> oh, what if I like completely fuck up on like the last song? <laughs> Yo, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was this. That was the that was what I was trying to like shake myself away from, because I feel like one of my like uh, one of the things I need work on as an artist is uh like over producing things and I'll spend like I, I or in my opinion I spend like a little too much time like filing down certain pieces and um, I wanted to speed up that process in a way that felt natural so I, that's why I wanted to do it live was to um, sort of force myself to not or just like completely remove the opportunity to do anything to the audio after it was recorded so um yeah, it was a little stressful, but it was definitely like something I wanted to push myself to do. Uh, yeah, just for my own creative experimentation. So that's actually so funny you say that because one of our questions was like, you talk a good amount about fear on this project. And we were wondering, like, was putting this project together 
like a process of overcoming some of that fear. Um, if you want to talk a little bit more about that, but I feel like it's funny because you sort of mentioned that just earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, no, that's super true. I like, I feel like it's just been a very fearful time just for a lot of, a lot of reasons for a lot of people and like, um, yeah, uh, just sort of facing that uh, in my own way with this record at all at all levels like fear for the world fear for my you know creative output fear for like the opportunity to share that work and how that's even tumultuous at this point um yeah uh yeah (laughs) yeah um and you mentioned twitch earlier and i think on one of the songs kind of later in the record you talk about how like twitch is an important revenue stream and that's part of the reason you do it but do you feel like twitch is something that generally adds to your creative process like is it something that you'd be doing even if there was no way to monetize it yes because i think making beats that way with people involved in a certain people people around is so different than you know me making beats alone just like clicking all day on my computer you know um when i'm making beats for for myself and for people on Twitch, it feels more like exciting. And I've always been this like proponent of like, when a musician is working on something, even if they're alone, they're still like performing for themselves, you know, because they're still making a piece that uh, sounds a way that they'd want to hear, you know, somebody else do, or like trying to do something that they've never heard done. And um, I think that in itself is like a performance for the self. And I think allowing people into that space to like do that with you is a valuable way to like generate new energies, you know? And there are people on my streams that ask me to sample stuff that I would never think of, you know? And having that like extra brain power in a way that doesn't feel too intrusive to my, to my workflow or my process has been, you know, super valuable and I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. And then also to quickly go back to when you were talking about how you wanted to leave, I don't think you said mistakes, but the, like anything that came up in the recording that wasn't as intended, like leave it in the piece. A lot of times on this project, there's just like very heavy reverb and it's like a bit hard to hear your voice and all that. Like, what do you feel like that reverb added to the project? I think that stuff kind of makes it feel more live where like sometimes you're seeing a show, you know, and uh, the performer uh, moves too far away from the mic. So you just don't hear what they're saying at all. And like, there's, uh, there's plenty of parts on Epic that are just like that. We're like, I'm rapping, but <laughs> you can no longer hear what I'm saying. And I kind of, at first that really bothered me, but I was like, I got to stick to the plan. I got to just let it be, you know? <laughs> and um I think it could be cool like uh it kind of forced it kind of pushed me to like officially publish the lyrics because I was like I want people to like know what I'm saying um but at the same time I don't want to you know reach out to the whole team that recorded and be like we got to go back and do it again because I moved away from the mic at this point (laughs) yeah I love when you like just make promises to yourself, like no one else cares, but you're like, I told myself I would do this. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And like, 
yeah, it's like, it was totally like a promise to myself to, to do it in that way. And then on the, on the second to last track, the like crazy poem that is written by Zay Frank, like there's this part of that where he says uh, perfectionism may look good in his shiny shoes, but he's a bit of an asshole and nobody invites him to their pool parties. And like, that was like running through my head. It's like, I can't be a perfectionist on this one, especially because I put a bar about perfectionism in the piece. Like I can't (laughs) allow it to seep back in. Yeah. One of our questions was also that like, that's Zay Frank um, made both of us like dig into him as an artist. And we were wondering like, what made you so confident that you're the only rapper who knows Zay Frank? (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, I feel like a lot of rappers, and rap and rap culture especially like indie rap and art rap there's a there's this big um there's this big focus on like individuality and like the cross sections of different cultures like um and like rapping and like striving to rap about things that have never been rapped about before um and like trying to find words that have never been used things like that and like in my brain like the youtube sphere of like early 2000s YouTuber like the beginning of YouTube and like that kind of culture has never been rapped about in like a true hip-hop sense like I've never heard anybody be like you know like really have a rap song about Shane Dawson for example or like anything like that you know and I that's my bag like I grew up on that stuff and like uh from a very young age I was like really into that whole culture so I wanted to kind of highlight that in a way that's like I don't know I just feel like I just feel like it's fun to make weird connections that people may not expect like I've played like so many shows where I reference this YouTuber Dunky and um these kids will come up to me after the show and be like I can't believe that you said Dunky's name on stage and I'm like yeah dude like you know like I don't know stuff like that it's just fun to um kind of surprise people with like what you know you know because uh, so many people have like uh predetermined stats for other people in their brain like they kind of try to figure people out before they really know them so it's fun to um kind of skirt that a little bit <laughs> yeah and sam before you ask your next question i wanted to say that when you said shane dawson you like unlocked a memory <laughs> for me. I was like, Shane Dawson. I was like, wow, I've not heard that name in so long. Yo, Shane Dawson. That dude's the devil. But Yeah, no. He, <laughs> he said, surprise, I am the devil. Yo, yeah. for real though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Younger me would have honestly not been that surprised. <laughs> it's crazy. Like his whole career is suspect i know the whole thing (laughs) just from day one nothing Mm -hmm. is clean Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess a bit on the note of like all the references that you include even though this album was recorded live it's clear that you spent a lot of time um like lyrically crafting this album so i was wondering what is your writing process typically like? How long have you been working on this project? Um, and what do you think about in terms of centering things in your lyrics? So um, for this one, 
it, I kind of tried to like completely switch up my whole formula because up to this point I had spent a full year on every record that I'd done like it was one year one record around September um and this one I spent maybe three or three months or so making beats and I had like 50 beats that I chose that I chose just those 12 from and then I really I think I spent maybe two and a half weeks writing the verses and every day I would just sit at my coffee table with the 404 out with like a little beats pill speaker and just like write to a beat per day. And really, I mean, every part of this project was me trying to like stop my brain from wanting to like over polish. So I would just write a verse and be like, that's done. And just not even think about it and just move on to the next one. And um, I just did that until I felt like I had like a solid record um, but before then I was, you know, like writing verses and rewriting verses and polishing and doing all that stuff and, um, typing everything out like this, I, like for this record, I hand wrote all the verses in like a notebook and, um, just kind of like, I was trying to be a little more like natural and raw with like myself and, um, just have more fun as a rapper. Like I think before I got I've gotten so bogged down by like theme and concept and um, like cohesiveness that like this one, I, my goal was to make something that was just more generally enjoyable, but also um, a little more free and like not as cohesively thematic, you know? Um, so really my goal was to, yeah, my goal was to really just switch up the formula um and not overboil anything or just like bog anything down no that's definitely really tough to do and also definitely it's like a, an exercise there's like you have to exercise like not like polishing things because I'm someone who like is such a perfectionist and that would be like yeah. literally so hard for me to do yeah it's like it Cause like, I don't know, every year I make a record and I'm like, this is going to be the record that makes me explode. So I need to put all of my, everything I have into this and like, everything has to be perfect. And it's like, to be honest, like <laughs> it didn't, I mean, it hasn't, that really hasn't been working, you know? And then I finally decide like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to like be the, be the person I am, be a rapper and just like have some fun. And it's been more successful than like my past two records combined you know <laughs> yeah we were gonna ask also like how has are you surprised at the reception to this project like what has that been like um I am surprised I really didn't give myself time to think about what it was going to be like when I put this out and at the same time like I haven't I put out an EP back in February, but really it wasn't as big as an affair as I tried to just kind of make it like a fun, small project. Uh, my last like big record was like last September where we were in the throes of everything and you know nobody was playing shows and nobody was doing any kind of live performances really. And uh, I really didn't have the opportunity to like share that record or tour that record in the way that I wanted to. And so 
really with this one, I had no expectations because I didn't really know what the climate as a performer is going to be or the musical climate was going to be. And I think that with all this stuff going on, it's been harder for indie musicians to really um, to put out records that are bigger deals or put out records that like, you know, do generate growth for an artist because um, there's just less resources to go around, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have any expectations for this to do anything. I just knew that I wanted to um, kind of bookend a certain chapter of my life with this project and I wanted it to be fun. Um, but yeah, with everything happening, I didn't have any, any expectations and yeah, I'm extremely surprised. It's been super fucking cool. <laughs> um, and you talked about this album as like not necessarily being thematically focused. Um, but one thing that I noticed that came up a lot was kind of the idea of um, like beginning things or like kind of digging deep and like trying new things. And I, the specific example is on an invocation for beginnings. You say, um, you called this album or the song an invocation for anyone who hasn't begun. Could you explain kind of what that means and how that fits into the message of the project? Yeah, so that track is, uh, is, the, is a YouTube video written by Zay Frank and he had a show in the early 2000s um, and it was extremely influential. Like if you've ever seen anybody make a YouTube vlogging video where it's like jump cutting and it's like, they're like sitting in front of the camera. Zay Frank invented that. Like he is like the, the originator of that style. And so he was, a, he was one of the first people to like generate like a dedicated community on that site. And then he was gone for a number of years. And then when he decided to come back, his first video for his new series of videos was that poem, An Invocation for Beginnings. And um, I... I have watched that video like nonstop for almost, you know, 11 years now. Like it's been a part of my life for a long time. I've, I've, I found it super influential and super inspiring for many different stages of my life. And in my brain, Epic is like uh, sort of the beginning of what I define as like the, the next era of my work. I think that my last album draft track was like, the end of this certain era that I spent here in Maine because I'm I'm leaving Maine now and I wrote I've written many records here but um, uh, Born on the Stairs, Andre's Gift, and Giraffe Track are kind of like these three that kind of go together and Epic is like another thing in my brain, uh, style stylistically and thematically and. Um, I wanted to like signify that kind of beginning of a new time by like honoring this piece that has inspired me over the years by like performing it again. That's a really cool um, story. No idea that, that there was like a whole thing behind that. Um, and yeah, even like with your move, um, well, just in general, like what are like influences that you take 
um, with your music and also like how does the place that you're living in and the environment that you're in like um, influence your music? Yeah, um, I think what's really fascinating about Maine is that there's a huge artist community here. There's plenty of artists. There's a lot of people that are doing really interesting stuff here. But what Maine doesn't have is any ego because everybody that lives in Maine who's an artist is like, yeah, I live in fucking Maine. Like nobody is coming here. Like people don't tour up here, like nothing, like, <laughs> like they're just up here in the woods, like doing their thing, like kind of away from the major cities and like the world in quotes, like, um, so really there aren't people who are like out here in Maine trying to like become famous. They're just like, they're more like lifers as artists and like creatives. And I think that kind of ethos has been like my biggest takeaway of like staying up here and like, you know, being with the Rubiat and like having this shop that we ran and um, doing all these events and uh, just doing cool stuff without this, without this idea that like, we're gonna, you know, be world famous from any of this work. It's really for like, uh, our crew and like the satisfaction that we get as creatives to like do stuff like that and um yeah that's like been the biggest takeaway of like Maine as a place in terms of being an artist yeah that's so funny Maine has always been like kind of central to my hip-hop journey because when I was really young I was really into Spose who's from Maine and yeah <laughs> finding rap Ferreira and then you it's crazy how much like dope music comes out of Maine in general um for real yeah and then I guess one other line and theme on the album will you say you are amazed that I can rap with this fluid gender and I was wondering has it been hard to find acceptance in the broader hip-hop community in terms of gender fluidity or things like that like have you found that people are amazed um a certain type of hip-hop fan yeah like you know like I think there are a lot of I would say like old head dudes who or even I don't even know I mean there's even some like you know modern dude rapper fans that are like really into stuff that is in my sphere but when they see somebody who is like queer they don't expect them to rap you know in a in a boom bap style or like a traditional hip-hop style like I think a lot of these dudes expect queer rappers to only rap like um more like pop party style beats like Nicki Minaj and you know that style of rap they don't they don't expect somebody like me to like MF Doom and want to rap like him and still be non-binary. Like that kind of fucks with their brain, you know? <laughs> and, and I see it with like other rappers who are older and still in the scene. I see it with younger fans who are only plugged into certain people or only plugged into certain clicks in the scene. Um, but I don't know. Um, there are also fans who are into other kinds of music that aren't just hip hop that I think are more open to things like that. But um, yeah, I think there are definitely plenty of people that are surprised when I come out into the show with like a dress on and then I fucking rap like 
you know, Mad Lib or some shit. They're like, whoa, like that's like beyond their understanding, you know? <laughs> they want me to they want me to rap like you know some other shit you know but you you get what i'll say that's pretty awesome uh yeah i love the the mad lib comparison uh, but <laughs> i guess uh one other thing that i was wondering is you do have this tour coming up what are you most excited for or like dates coming up what are you most excited for getting back to performing Oh, I'm excited for it all. I'm excited for uh, all the shit I've learned. I've I've like been honing my skills. I've been getting better at my live sets. I mean, just just with practicing, just with practicing epic and being able to do this all in one take like that. Like I have a pretty solid set now. Like before before I did epic. I really didn't practice sets like that. I would just have all the songs and I would just be like, oh, what do I do now? But just like kind of, you know, mess around and pick random stuff. But with Epic, I practiced everything. All of the dialogue samples, I was like, I was like launching those live. I wasn't like, those weren't queued up. I was like pressing a button at the perfect time and doing all that kind of stuff. And I low key want to showcase that, uh, that skill live. And I'm really excited to, um, I'm really hoping when I do it, um, people who have seen the film version will be like, wow, that's exactly what, you know, they did at the live show. Um, that's my hope. And also I got really into like live looping. So I'm going to try to do some of that live too and uh, see if people dig that. I don't know. I'm just super stoked to get back out there. No, that's super impressive that like those weren't cute. I would be so confused. <laughs> <laughs> yo yo i like yeah i was uh i like chopped them all up and i had two 404s going so like one 404 was just for the dialogue and the other was just for the beats and the beats are just on a loop they're not like they're not like timed out to the verse so um that was new for me too because before then i would just export the instrumental and just like let it play so if i messed mm -hmm. up i just i didn't have enough room on the beat but now it's like a it's like an infinite loop so i can just keep rapping forever on that same beat if i wanted to <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. no that's awesome um and yeah our last question is just i mean you just came out with a project but is there anything we should expect from you next anything particular that you're working on or just performing and moving yeah <laughs> um performing um I've got a bunch of like ideas and schemes at all times. I'm thinking, I think I might be going on tour in the fall. Um, I started an emo band with my friend, Michael, and that record is coming out in the next few months. So like other projects that the, the band is called first passionate Frisbee club. Um, what else? Uh, no, that's it. Just uh, playing. I'm gonna try to play as many shows as I can until they probably tell us we can't do that no more. <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, no. Just kind of keep doing my thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Um, and I can't wait to see you in concert next week. Thanks 
for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Pink Navel and check out their album Epic. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.